Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, a tool to help believers rediscover true biblical doctrine and to help them understand and live out their faith in their homes, in their churches, and in their communities. Thank you for listening to this episode. Let's get right to it. Well, welcome everybody, and thank you for tuning in to this Sunday edition of the Doctrine Matters Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Duke, and this is the Doctrine Matters Podcast, a podcast that is one of many podcasts from the Christian podcast community. If you are not listening to other podcasts from the Christian podcast community, I would highly recommend you go on over there to podcast.strivingforeternity.org. There you will find many podcasts from the Christian podcast community, many wonderful podcasts of which this one belongs to. We're grateful for those that belong to the Christian podcast community and uh, want to send you that way and get you to check out some great podcasts and listen to some great episodes from some great folks that love Christ. I, on this episode, want to briefly, as I can, share some things with you that have been on my mind the last week or so as it relates to our culture, and not only as it relates to our culture, but as it relates to men in our society as a whole. Now, the first thing that I, that, that brings, that comes to my mind when I think about our culture is really what we saw happen at the Grammys the other night. And I'm not here to talk about the Grammys. I'm not here to talk about sinners being sinners, but I am going to talk about something that we have seen play out in our lifetime. Now, I'm 39 years old as the time of this recording, and I can remember a time watching video or, or, or even the Grammys or some sort of video music awards or something like that, and not seeing anything like we saw at the Grammys. Now, for full disclosure, I do not watch the Grammys. I don't watch video music awards. I don't watch any kind of awards, so I just saw this happen. Uh, secondhand as it came across social media, as you've likely seen come across your social media as well. You've seen the performance by Sam Smith and Kim Petra, which is apparently a transgendered person. But uh, we live in a time now where this wouldn't have happened years ago when I was a child. As a matter of fact, I had I was a part of a men's breakfast yesterday where we we talked about this and several men my age and even older than me don't remember a time where evil and and sex and and, and drugs were just so openly put out there for everybody to see. And I made a comment yesterday that I I feel like it's going to be just a few short years before there's going to be full-blown nudity and sex on primetime television, because that seems to be the direction we're headed. So uh, we we really saw this unfold on the Grammys. And I want to just play this. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, I'm going to, I'm not going to play the sound But I am going to tell you really quickly, uh, for those that are just listening that aren't watching, and if you haven't heard of this, uh, Sam Smith, a singer, Kim Petras, apparently a transgendered singer, singer, uh, they did a song called Unholy, and they performed this at the 2023 Grammys. And I'll just say this, uh, CBS has since deleted the tweet, but Sam Smith tweeted, uh, before the, the show began, that he was ready to perform or whatever. And uh, CBS tweeted, we can't wait to worship. So I will say this, everyone worships something. We are created to worship. Now, those who suppress the truth and righteousness, those that are unbelievers, will, in fact, worship the things of the world. 
Uh, they will worship sinful things. And even as believers, sometimes we cross over into that and we find ourselves worshiping things that aren't of the Lord as well. If we're not careful, we need to repent of those things. But those that are believers will worship the Lord, the risen Savior. We will worship God, the triune God of the Bible. So we are created to worship. Everyone is a worshiper in one sense or another. CBS has put out there that they are ready to worship. Now, if you saw the Grammys, you will see what they were ready to worship. So let me set this up for you. I'm going to go ahead and play this. Uh, for those of you that um, may not be watching but are just simply listening, uh, this is Sam Smith, and this is not the full performance. It's just showing performance. Viewer discretion advised, by the way. Uh, maybe too late for that if you're watching. But uh, Sam Smith is dressed as Satan, as the world would see him as a character with a red tight pants, red tight shirt with the horns and a red hat and some weird girly boots and uh, a staff of some sort, it looks like. And he just looks absolutely evil. And they're doing some sort of satanic dance. There's people dressed all in red. There's fire going on right now. If you're watching this on YouTube, you see exactly what I'm talking about. There's people in cages. Um, Trent, uh, Sam Smith is, I think, a non-binary person. He claims uh, this Sam Petrus or, or whatever his name is, is a quote unquote transgender. Um, she tweeted afterwards because they won a Grammy. She says the first tranny to win a Grammy. So we're talking about full on evil. And the song that they performed was called Unholy. So they performed a song called Unholy. Sam Smith dressed in all red, dressed like what the world would say is Satan. Obviously, we know Satan doesn't have a pitchfork and doesn't have red little horns and things like that. But that is what he portrayed is Satan and uh, all of the quote unquote demons dressed in red doing some really nasty dances around him and dances in a cage and things like that and uh, just blatantly evil. And again, the song is called Unholy. And I didn't realize it, but uh, when I was watching a playback of this performance, the lyrics to that song are awful. The lyrics in and of themselves are awful. And let me let me just tell you really quickly why this matters, why I'm covering this and talking about this is because this stuff right here matters. The songs that your kids listen to matters. What they're watching on TV matters. Because as my wife and I were sitting in the car waiting to uh, pick up our son. Uh, we watched uh, some guy do a, um, a a review of this performance. And when they performed it, my child, and I hate to even say this because sometimes uh, she watches videos and, and of course you have to be careful, but we didn't realize that that song was on some of these little YouTube videos that she sees sometimes. And she knew the chorus to the song and we said, absolutely not. You will never sing this again. And she said, well, I, I didn't think Unholy was good. And uh, so we, we told her she would never be allowed to listen to that again. And and her days of watching videos are have, have been numbered now. So we're not allowing her to even do that anymore because it could so easily infiltrate into your kids' ears and into their eyes. And you can find them watching things and listening to things that are ungodly. And they have no business watching or listening to those things. So that is... One of the aspects of why I have decided to talk briefly about the Grammys, that's all I'm going to talk about them, but I think it gives us a glimpse into what our culture looks like and what our culture is promoting and wants to shove down our throats. That's evil is what they want this world to be, and especially our nation as a whole. Again, I'm 39. If you can think about how old you are, and just years ago, you wouldn't see things like this on national television because 
even even if they were uh, even if the people in control of these things weren't morally upright, they still thought about children that might come across these things. There's still laws about things like this or were back then. Uh, but we're seeing sex, drugs and rock and roll become a whole thing again. But it's more open and blatant right in our face, especially on primetime television. So this is a glimpse of our culture. You know, our culture, we are killing babies at a high rate of speed. Even though Roe has been overturned, there's many states where babies are being murdered every single day. And we continue to offer up child sacrifice to Moloch. Uh, we see the uh, homosexual agenda, the LGBTQ agenda continue to be pushed. Uh, we see all sorts of things that are growing in our society. And all the while, our society is trying to push Christianity, push the gospel and push all things Christ and all things God out of the picture because they don't want the things of God because they don't believe in the true biblical Christ and the true biblical God. People want what they want and what they want is evil. And they're trying to limit the amount of God talk, so to speak. They're trying to suppress the truth even more. So it led me to start thinking. I started thinking, what in the world is the problem here? Where, where have we gone wrong as a society? And I, I really started thinking about men. Where have all the men gone? And when I say men, I mean biblical men that live by conviction, that live by the word of God and the standard of the word of God. Now, there are many men in our culture that would say, well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but then they have no care of the things of God. So they, they don't darken the doors of churches. They don't lead their families in worship. They don't lead their wives through the word of God. There's just so many things that they don't do, even though they claim to be a believer. But really, and ultimately, if they're not growing in holiness, if they don't care about the things of God and the things that are going on in our culture and in our world, if they don't care about leading their families in worship and in the word, then it's likely those people aren't Christians to begin with. Then we have people that are true Christians, but have never been taught how to be biblical men. Uh, I asked a question yesterday. I led the, the teaching part of our men's breakfast, and I asked them. There's about 20, 21 men there. I said, can you remember a time growing up where you were taught how to be a biblical man, a biblical man of conviction who lived for God, lived for the word of God, lived to honor and exalt Christ and to serve others? And none of them remembered a time where they were taught and trained how to be a biblical man. And I think that is what's happened in our culture is we have a lack of men that they don't understand how to be biblical. And when I say biblical men of conviction that love the word, that love Christ, that love their wives, that love the, their children. And even if they're not married, they love Christ and they're willing to do whatever it takes to be obedient to his word. But we've got men that don't know how to be biblical men. And that even comes down to protecting our families, protecting ourselves, providing for our families, offering security for our families. So many things go into being a biblical man. And I think the lack of biblical men is a problem in our society right now. For years, at least 50, probably even more than that, there has been a lack of biblical men. And uh, you've historically seen women doing nearly everything in the church. When I grew up, women did most everything, except we had a man preacher, a male preacher. But 
the rest were women. The men were indifferent. Many of them didn't come to church. And when they were there, they were just kind of, you know, lackadaisical about it. They didn't really care. Uh, they weren't there to learn. They weren't there to go home and train their wives and teach their wives and, and just wash them in the renewal of the word. Uh, they, they didn't care about going home and training their kids. There's just a lot of things they were indifferent about. And then this is this culture that we live in, I believe, is why we are seeing this is because of lack of biblical men, a lack of men with conviction. So I say, where's the church? Where are the men? And then there's another video that came out. You've likely already seen it on the on the on the screen. I turned it off, though. Um, it popped up just for a second. I, I saw a video of some men in church and men leading in the church. But however, what I saw was heartbreaking. These men, you're about to see if you're watching, are some big, burly men. They look like they could win a bar fight if they were to walk into a bar and start fighting. That they, they stand a strong chance to win uh, that bar fight. These are bearded men, large men, manly, manly men, they look like. However, what they are doing in this clip I'm about to show you, and for you that aren't watching, I will explain the clip to you after we play it, it's only a short clip, about 45 seconds long. Um, these men are in quote unquote church, but this is not the type of man we need. We need strong men, but we also need men that are convicted in the scriptures and, and understand the scriptures. This is not it. This is not going to war with our culture. This is not going to war with anything. I'm not sure where this is, uh, but they are teaching spiritual warfare obviously because they have Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 right here. Uh, there's a breastplate, there's a sword, there's all kinds of things going on. I want to play this clip and then I want to come back to it just for a second. But let's uh, let's let's look or, or at least listen to this. Okay, I think it was already started. Here's the beginning. That's uh, a TikTok video. I'm going to leave it up here on the side just so we can bring up these pictures here. Uh, if you were listening, you might have heard I accidentally started the video toward the end, so I backed it up and started it over. Once I started that video over, you likely heard somebody speaking in tongues. There is a manly man with a huge gray beard there speaking in tongues, holding some sort of breastplate. I'm assuming the breastplate of righteousness is what that's supposed to represent as it, we talk about spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter 6, which is apparently what they're going through. But either way, he's holding some sort of breastplate, and he is just standing there yelling, speaking in tongues. And it's when his voice finally cracks and gives out that he stops doing it, and he kind of opens his eyes to look around. Well, the guy in front of him and to his left, our right, if you're watching, 
is another big guy. He's just a manly man, it appears. And he is wielding the sword. And when I say sword, I'm not meaning the scriptures as Ephesians 6 talks about. I'm talking about a full-on, big, long sword. And he is waving this thing from side to side and pretending to stab the air and just wielding it and waving it while this guy is behind him speaking in tongues. And then if we were to, to continue going here, as I'm going to just kind of scrub through this here, there's another guy over here and he's ringing a bell. You may have heard the bell in the, in the picture, in the video or in the audio. There's this, there's this bell, this large bell on the stage with him, And he's just over there ringing it. I guess this is for, uh, to represent freedom, maybe in Christ or likely freedom that we have as Americans is potentially what this is. Um, but this is nonsense. And this, to me, is a, a picture of or a video or a picture of how we have let our culture get to where it is now. Because we've got men that don't understand the word of God that are sitting in their quote unquote churches and they're speaking in tongues, which let me just say this. There is some controversy going on right now. I am a full-blown cessationist. I don't believe any of what is happening right here is biblical. This, these tongues are for nobody. He is just gibbering uh, in this service. There's nothing here. Uh, nobody, and even if it was a language that is being spoken here, it appears that nobody stands up and translate what's the, translates what this man is saying. So I believe this is gibberish. I believe this is nothing more than a show. And then the guy wielding the sword, I don't know what good he's doing or what that's supposed to be doing. He should be wielding the real sword, the word of God, out on the public square, calling people to repentance and faith, calling people not to go in and murder their babies, challenging the culture with the word of God. Instead, he's standing before this church group and he's wielding a sword and, and, and flailing it about in the air as if he's doing something for the kingdom of God. I don't know. And then you got the guy over here who's ringing the bell. Uh, for whatever reason, and uh, people are just eating this up. So I pray that this church, quote-unquote church, would understand the true word of God and start preaching the whole counsel of God, the true gospel, and start preaching it boldly with conviction. I pray that they would be saved if they're not and come out of this. But uh, this is another picture of our culture right now. We've got people that don't understand what it means to be a biblical man. And uh, as a matter of fact, I want to look at a passage of Scripture that uh, many, many of you uh, have likely heard before. It's nothing new. Uh, there's nothing new under the sun, Ecclesiastes says. But in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 16, we see Paul say something that I believe uh, should be very encouraging and, and even convicting to us. He says in 1 Corinthians, chapter 16, verse 13, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. And in verse 14, let all you do be done in love. Now, I think that we should take some things away from here. Acting like a man. He also says in a passage of scripture, when I became a man, I put away childish things. There are many people that are living, many men, I should say, that are still living doing childish things. They're not putting those things away. They're living for themselves. They only care about themselves. They don't care about the things of God. They're going to play golf all the time or going hunting all the time, and they're never at home, and they're always trying to get away from their families. They're working all the time. 
These are little boys that don't understand biblical uh, manliness as it is. A, a biblical man is one who cares about the word of God, who is convicted by the word of God. We, we, we look in the scriptures and we must be convicted by the word of God and men must be men of conviction. So men, to be a biblical man, to push back against this culture that we live in, you and I must care about the scriptures. We must care about the scriptures. We must read the scriptures. We must study the scriptures and we must love the scriptures. And then uh, we also must be protectors of our home. We must be providers for our home. The Bible says a man that won't work, won't eat, and he's worse than an unbeliever. So we should go to work. We shouldn't let the government do it for us. We have to get up off of our tails, go to work, work hard for the glory of God, bring home a paycheck so our families can eat. And if that's all you do, if all you have is food and clothing, I read in the scriptures, you should be content, except we try to live for bigger and better things and, and to a, a, attain more wealth. The Bible says, 1 Timothy, uh, that if you do that, then uh, that's not going to end well for you. Attaining wealth, you have to turn and, and do some sinful things, turn your back on the Lord, and it's just not going to work out well for you. So we must be men who go to work, work hard, be content with the things we have, and lead our families in the word. I mentioned one time um, in a group of men, I said, how many, how many of you know someone that their, their dad wasn't around? That maybe if they were in the home, they still weren't really present. They were kind of checked out or they weren't in the home. And those kids grew up and, and really ended up on the streets and doing whatever they wanted to, getting in a lot of trouble, maybe even being killed because they were out in the streets and not really paying attention to the things that they should have been. And they had a poor mother or a grandmother at home doing the best they could to try to raise them. What happens is the order, once it gets out of line, then there's chaos. There are, there are, there are many women that have done their best praying for and trying to lead their kids in the, the ways of the Lord. And there are many kids that have been blessed and, and God has shown grace as a result of that. But there are many that because there was no, no, no man, no male uh, no father around and present that really had to go through a lot of things in life and learn the hard way about some things and uh, weren't really put on a good path because there was nobody there to do it. The order in the scripture is the man, the wife, the kids, and that man is to lead his wife and to lead his kids. That is the way it is. It shouldn't be uh, any other way but that. It must be done by the husband or the father and then it must go down from there. And once that order is out of line, everything else gets out of balance. So, uh, men, you have got a special role as believers to lead your families well, which means if you're going to lead your family, you have to lead yourself into the word of, and study of God, uh, or into the word and study of God's word, I should say, so that you can then teach that to your wife and have conversations with your wife about the word of God and then teach and train your children through the word of God so that they will understand the word of God and live according to the word of God. Young men, you should start reading the Bible now. Don't wait till you become older or until you have a family. Single men, don't wait until you have a wife or a girlfriend. You must start right now reading the Bible daily, understanding the role of a man being a convicted man from the scriptures, but also 
understanding that Jesus is our example of what a true man should look like. There is a lot of talk about uh, men needing to be strong and protective and mighty and, 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 and just uh, knowing how to fight and knowing how to lift weights and doing these things. Now, I will tell you, I'm an advocate of those things. I love to lift weights. I love to shoot guns. I love to be strong. So I can, uh, if I don't have a weapon, I can go with my hands and fight somebody if need be. That's not a, a brag about what I, that's just things I like. I enjoy doing things with my hands. I enjoy lifting weights. I enjoy those things. But the Christian culture sometimes puts too much emphasis on those things. When we look at Jesus, he is the ultimate example of a man. Jesus was not only tough, he was tender. So as men, we have to learn to be tender. We have to learn to listen carefully. We have to learn to uh, do things that we wouldn't normally do because they're going to bring the most glory to God. We need to listen to our wives. We need to care about what they care about. We need to understand their perspective. We need to be tender with our kids. We don't always have to have a heavy hand. We need to be tender with those in our community groups or our churches or wherever we find ourselves. We need to be tender with the people that we work with, but we also need to be tough and strong. There is a healthy balance there that we as men need to be tough, tender. Uh, we need to be bold and ferocious, but we also need to be sweet and gentle when we need to be. That is what a true man looks like, but a biblical man is going to stand up for those that can't stand for themselves. A true biblical man is going to take his wife and lead her through the scriptures and is going to lead his kids through the scriptures, and we'll hopefully see households grow into faith and then do the same things with their families when the kids grow up and they move out and, and become um, husbands and wives of their own and have their own kids. And then we must take that to our culture. We must get into the public square. We must go where the darkness is. We can't sit back in our churches and slang swords and speak in tongues. That's just irreverent babble, and it is, it is, it is not beneficial for the church, and it is not beneficial for our nation that we see going to hell in a handbasket. None of this is going to be beneficial to uh, storming the gates of hell. We've got to get out of the walls of the church with the real sword, which is the word of God, and we must take that to the streets and get right in the face, get in the teeth of the enemy, and we've got to go head to head, and we need strong biblical men that are willing to start that process at home in their churches and then branch out into the communities so we can start to see the light coming back into the darkness. It's going to take men of conviction. Women, have it's been on their shoulders for way too long, and they've done the best they could. Men, it's time to step up. Women, it's time to be submissive to your man who is submitting himself to Christ. But men, it starts with you. It starts with me. It starts right here in our homes. One of the ways you do that. So I'm ch I've challenged you. Men, it's time to step up. It, it's time to do. So one of the ways you can do that is, and, and let me just say, you might can see right in here, uh, these are commentaries that I'm looking at here, some commentaries down here uh, on this bookshelf. We've got some Charles Spurgeon sermons right here. We've got some other commentaries here. There's some John Owen stuff here. Uh, Jonathan Edwards stuff uh, is on this. You don't have to know all this, right? 
just because I have bookshelves of, of people that are dead, people that are still alive, like these are some of my favorites, some of these J.C. Riles on the gospel. Uh, those are great, by the way. Uh, there's some R.C. Uh, but let me get back into what I'm saying. And, and then I've got another bookshelf behind me over this shoulder. You see here, you don't have to read all these books. You don't have to open these commentaries and, and try to expound on uh, a chapter a day with your wife. So that's what I'm saying is, these are great helps. These are tools. But when I say to start leading your wife in the word and start talking with her in the word, I'm not telling you to grab a commentary and spend an hour expounding a couple of verses through uh, a chapter of the Bible, right? So here's what this looks like. If you, in my opinion, this is how you start. Like we should be talking about God all the time. We should be talking about God with our spouse, with our kids. We should be just having that ongoing conversation wherever we are. We can find ourselves in uh, in the supermarket, as, as one brother said yesterday morning, and just ask our kids, what do you think about this? And it could be something that points back to the scriptures, and you can have a gospel and God-centered conversation there. And that is you as a man leading your wife, if you talk to your wife in the supermarket or wherever you find yourself, or if you talk to your kids and uh, wherever that may be, it should be daily. So although these things right here are great helps, they're tools, and I would suggest getting some books and getting some commentaries and, 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 and learning. That's how you grow in holiness. You learn. You, you learn what God is saying in his word. But here's how to start with your wife if you're married. Uh, if you're married, one way to start leading your wife in the word is to sit down with her over a cup of coffee, open up the Bible. I would suggest something like uh, maybe the Gospel of John, maybe First John, maybe uh, something small to start out with, a smaller book of the Bible. Um, I wouldn't, you know, if this is new to you, I wouldn't start out with something just super challenging. I know that the book of Jude is small, but the book of Jude is packed. It is very challenging. There's a lot there. So if you're new to reading and trying to understand and talk about the word, Jude may not, may not be the one for you, although small. Uh, grab a First John or go through one of the Gospels. It's just simple as that. So let's just take, for instance, uh, let's just say you're going to go through the book of 1 John together. And this is going to be a daily thing over a cup of coffee. You don't have to go through the whole book of the Bible. You can sit down, open up the Bible to the book of 1 John with you and, and your wife. And you sit there, you're having conversation about your day, your morning, whatever. And, and then you say, hey, let's look at the Bible. Let's look at 1 John chapter 1. And you turn to 1 John chapter 1, and you open it and you read, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to you. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. Now, that's just simply the first four verses of 1 John. So sit there, talk, talk about it. What was from the beginning? What beginning are they talking about? What have they heard? What have they seen? What have they looked at with their eyes? What have they touched with their hands concerning the word of life? Who is the word of life? Right? So we know this is, uh, and the more you talk about this, you can start to see, well, this is these are the disciples who are eyewitness test, have eyewitness testimony of Christ Jesus. They've touched his hands post-resurrection. They've seen the scars. They've 
heard him teach before the resurrection. They, they, they've heard him. They've touched him. They've walked with him. They've been with him. And they're talking about Christ, and they want to tell you about him. And you can know that it's true because of their eyewitness accounts. So that's simply just open the Bible. And many Bibles see that are broke out into sections. Uh, you can take two or three passages, look at a section, just have a conversation about it. You men lead the reading of the scripture and then have a conversation about it. My wife is one of the most godly women I know that loves the scriptures, that is in the scriptures, that is studying the scriptures, but she also submits to my leadership in the home and she's not going to try to buck that leadership. She, We sit down and I open the Bible and we talk about it and I don't make her feel less of a person. She doesn't make me feel like I'm not a leader in the home. We just have a conversation just like we would if if you and your wife are both interested in, uh, I don't know, uh, motorcycle riding, you can probably talk about riding motorcycles all day together with your wife. It's just the same type of conversation, but about the Bible. That's just a simple way to start leading your wife in the word. And then there are other things that you can do to start leading your kids in the word, teaching them the word. Uh, you can set us part time for family worship. Uh, there are many books that can help you with that. I'm, I would love to point you to some resources. If you're interested, just shoot me an email or leave a comment here, and I can show you some resources, some things that I've used and uh, am using now. Um, but you have all sorts of resources that can help you. You don't have to be a, a scholar in the Word. You don't have to have a doctorate in theology to be able to do this. You just simply have to have a Bible and be a man of conviction and be willing to do it. And then once you learn how to do it in the home, you can do it in the church. You can do it at work. You can do it in the downtown at a LGBTQ rally, right? You don't go down there to be hateful. You can go down there to confront darkness with light and be able to preach the full counsel of God and proclaim the gospel to a lost and dark world. So if you can start it in the home, that can definitely be pushed out into the public square where we desperately need men of conviction to lead their their homes, their churches, and then get into the community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of the things that Jesus is still doing, he is building his church and he will continue to do so. And he does so by the proclamation of the gospel. So listen, men and women, but this is primarily to men. Women, you have a just as much a command to go and preach the gospel and proclaim the gospel to people and make disciples as the men do. But men, it starts in your home. It goes to your churches, and then it goes into the community. So I'm encouraging all of you men to be challenged to start in your homes so we can start seeing a difference made in our culture. We've got to get in the culture with the Word of God. We've let the culture come into the church for so long. It's time for the church to get into the culture for the glory of God and to see people saved and changed by His Word. So men, that's your challenge. We've got work to do and let's lock arms and let's do it together. So that's my challenge to you. Women, um, hold your hold your husbands accountable. Uh, and if you're single, again, you be in the word of God. And listen, if let me just say this, single men, it's likely that you are hoping for a wife one day, significant other. You need to be able to spot what a godly woman looks like, and you're only going to learn that from reading and studying the Word of God. And then you can measure that woman that you may start dating up with the Word of God, and if she doesn't match what the Word of God says a godly woman should be, 
that's a red flag and you probably should move on. So that was some words of wisdom from a single brother, uh, not me, one of my friends and, and, and one of the um, guys in our church. Uh, he is single and that's one thing that he brought out, which is a, a beautiful a reminder. If you want to know what a godly woman looks like, you find her in the scriptures and then you find them in real life and you uh, compare them to what you know in the scriptures. So you must be diligent in studying the scriptures and single men. You can go to war with us in the in the public square just like married men can. So it all stems around taking your calling as a true believer seriously and doing what God has called you to do as a man. And then I think we might see some people get outside of their comfort zone, get into this culture and hopefully see a difference be made and the light penetrating the darkness because there is a lot of darkness in our world and our nation in each of our states. And I would even say in most cities all across the United States of America. So we've got work to do. I hope you've been challenged. If you need any help, if you would like to find a biblical church, I can help you do that. If uh, you need some resources on how to lead your family, family worship, whatever the case may be, I can help you with that. Uh, if you just have a comment or a question or a concern, feel free to email the Doctrine Matters Podcast. That is Doctrine Matters Podcast at gmail.com, all lowercase, no spaces, Doctrine Matters Podcast at gmail.com, or feel free to leave a comment in the YouTube. Uh, video under that, or you can leave a comment on the Dr. Matters Facebook page. If you haven't followed us or liked us there, please do so. Uh, you can find all these videos there, find the content there. And uh, also you can go to my personal Facebook page if, if you would like, uh, Stephen Dew, uh, Northeast Arkansas, Jonesboro, Arkansas, Pastor South Airway Baptist Church. You can find me very easily. I'd be happy to have a conversation with you. You can message me there. And uh, It'd be great to hear from some of our listeners. Again, if you are interested in more biblical podcasts, go to the Christian Podcast Community. That is podcasts, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S, dot strivingforeternity.org. And there you will find many podcasts for the glory of God, the exaltation of saints, and the exaltation of Christ. So thank you for listening. Uh, until then, or until next time, I should say, uh, have a blessed day, blessed week, and I look forward to talking with you on the next one. God bless.